Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, here we are again, Bills Mafia, Bills fans. Three straight days of the podcast. Hopefully you've been listening. The first two quarterbacks, running backs. Time to take a look at the 2021 State of the Bills tight ends. And yes, there is an article at WGR550.com, like I've had for quarterbacks and running backs. And I'm just doing this because some people don't want to read. They don't have time to read. Maybe you just want to, you know, listen on a run or a walk or, you know, when you're at the gym or in your car, however you want to do that. Maybe it's easier for you to do that, you know, bumping around the house, just uh, kind of doing some work, have it on for background noise. But either way, I appreciate it. But also, I'm doing these podcasts as a supplement to the State of the Bills articles that I'm doing in the series to give you a little bit, more, a little bit more information. You know, me talking is not going to be the same as me writing, and I'm going to kind of add a little more in-depth thoughts to you know what I put out there and what I write. So hopefully you're enjoying these. I've actually really enjoyed doing them the last couple of days. Let me tell you how I do it. Basically, I just kind of open up my recording device on my computer. I hit record. I'm sitting right now on the couch in my living room. That's what I'm doing, holding a handheld mic. I don't normally do that when I do things on WGR uh, and I'm on with the guys in the morning or afternoon or I'm, you know, recording some other interview podcast. I'm kind of more in a, I don't, I guess you'd say uh, more professional setting or I don't know how you want it, more buttoned up, if you will, you know, but it's also a little stiffer sometimes. Right now, I'm just sitting here on my couch, got my handheld mic, got a windscreen on it so you don't hear me popping the peas. Like if I go popping the peas, you probably don't hear it as much as I do. I'll take the windscreen off. Watch. So here the windscreen's off and I go popping the peas. And then I, I put the windscreen on and popping the peas. So I don't even know how that's going to sound. I'll have to go back and listen to it. All right. So this is not called popping the peas podcast, although that might be an interesting name for one. This is the, uh, the tight end state of the bills podcast, but that's what I'm doing. I've enjoyed it. I basically just sit here and I go over the things I wrote about and also add some thoughts but it puts me in a little bit more of a relaxed mood to kind of just have more free-flowing thoughts, if you will. So let's talk about the tight ends, because this is a position that we, in the media, Bill's fans, have talked about really since the beginning of the season, and for two reasons. Number one, the Bills are one of the worst teams in the league defending opposing tight ends this season, right? I mean, you go back to Mike Gusecki in Week 2, you know, the Rams and uh, what Hunter Henry and uh, Higby, I think you know, both of them, I, I'm just thinking of names. I don't remember their numbers necessarily. Darren Waller. I mean, everybody, you know, Darren Waller beats everybody. So does Travis Kelsey, but he had four touchdowns in two games against the Bills and he absolutely crushed them in the AFC championship game. Right. But I mean, um, you know, Mark Andrews, they did a nice job on him in the playoff game. 
But Jack Doyle, <laughs> he did a nice job on the Bills uh, when they faced him in the uh, first round in the wild card playoff game. But we saw that. But the second reason is because the Bills didn't have that guy. They just didn't have that game-changing, dynamic, mismatched tight end that some other teams really kind of seemed to find on their offense and really took their offenses to the next level. So, you know, that's kind of the big reason why we've all, you know, talked about it for months, but also why we're talking about it going into the offseason. Because let's be honest, no more were these two points, the Bills defending tight ends and lack of ability to do so, and the Bills not having that game-changing tight end, which we'll get to the names and how they performed in a little while. No more was it evidence where both these two points intersected than in the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs, right? I mean, now, I know that it's a bit unfair to compare anybody to Travis Kelsey. He's going to the Hall of Fame someday, but the guy went for 13 catches for 118 yards and two touchdowns, and we just watched how incredible he was for the Chiefs in two different games. In Buffalo, he had a nice game, too. It wasn't a, like, overly... You know, the numbers weren't huge because of volume, but he did score a couple of times in that game back in week six, too. And this is a team in Kansas City that they already have Tyreek Hill and they have Nicole Hardman and they have Sammy Watkins when he's on the field and they have Clyde Edwards Hilaire and they sign, you know, Le'Veon Bell. They have all these offensive weapons, but and, you know, Robinson, another receiver. But here is Kelsey, who still is able to be their number one receiver, 105 catches this year. I think he finished in second overall or top three or four to, um, you know, to, to uh, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs was number one in the league with 127, and then Kelsey wasn't too far behind him. But either way, you get the point. I mean, this is this is a tight end that is a complete game changer, and I know that's a bit unfair to compare anybody to a guy like that, but you see what someone with that type of ability, that type of mismatch can do. And, and the Bills, they saw that against him and against others, and they didn't really have that guy necessarily. In fact, if you go back and look at the Bills' stats this year, which is pretty incredible, I did this for the for the, the podcast, but for the article, I should say, and then I tweeted this out as well. The Bills' top games for any tight end last year. Um, Tyler Croft had the best game of any tight end for the Bills last year, and that best game was four catches for 63 yards. That's it. That's the top game any Bills tight end had all season long. And then if you go down, no Bills player, no Bills tight end had more than four catches in any regular season game. And in only five different times did any tight end, Croft once and then Knox four times, break 30 yards. 30 yards. Only twice did they break 50 yards. Croft once and Knox once. Now we could obviously say, hey, that's also because the Bills ran a lot of four wide receiver sets. They have John Brown and Cole Beasley and of course Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. And that is absolutely true. To me, this is a really interesting chicken and egg argument. It really is. The chicken and egg argument is, did the Bills tight ends not really produce because the Bills don't have the types of tight ends that can really produce? Or did the Bills tight ends not really produce because they weren't really involved in the game plan that much because of all the wide receivers and how many they use and how often they get thrown the ball and there is only one ball? And I think with a lot of things, like with a lot of things, the answer lies somewhere in the middle and somewhere with both, right? But even though it is both, I'm just going to defer to what Brandon Bean said in his end-of-season Zoom call with the media when he specifically said he did not feel that the tight end position for the Bills this year threatened the defense enough. So I think now we can lean more towards 
they want to, they believe the tight ends had more to do with it than the game plan. Sure. It's going to hurt their volume. If you're throwing to Diggs and Brown and Beasley and Davis all day, and you're running four wide receiver sets and you're not having your tight end on the field as much, there's no doubt about that. I, I don't dispute that whatsoever. And I like Dawson Knox and I'll get to him in just a second, but for Brandon Bean, the team's GM, to come out at the end of the season and specifically say, we didn't think we got enough from our tight ends to threaten the defense. I think that is very telling and speaks volumes about, you know, maybe why they weren't as much involved in the game plan. So the chicken and egg is, are they not involved in the game plan as much because they don't feel that they're threatening enough to do so and they're going to make enough plays? Or is it just because they have all these wide receivers? So, hey, I'm sorry, but, you know, we just we're not going to use these tight ends. And again, I, I think that both of that, both those things can be true. But I'm going to defer to, again, what Brandon Bean said about the position. So therefore, we have to start looking for, forward to what they're going to do in the offseason. I think this is a really interesting spot. Now, I get a lot of people tweeting me saying, do you think this guy out of this school or that guy out of that school will fit the Bills offense? Listen, I have not done a lot of draft prep work yet. I will get into all that. I do know Kyle Pitts is the number one tight end in this class. And a guy like that, he could be a big-time game changer. The Bills are picking 30th, though. So unless they move up, like, probably 15 spots, maybe 20, they're not getting Kyle Pitts. But the other guys that a lot of you tweet at me at Sal Sports, you bring up and things like that, I'm not totally sure on yet. So, you know, aside from talking about the specific players out of college, I will tell you, I don't see this team necessarily drafting a guy anyway and injecting him into this offense and hoping for that kind of production. This is a organization. This is a team that wants to contend now. They are contending now. They were the second best team in the AFC. They almost made the Super Bowl. They were 45 minutes away from that. They don't need, they're not going to wait two years on a tight end. And you're not going to get one that's just going to get into the offense now and be this huge game changer from the draft. And may, like I said, maybe Pitts could do that. Maybe. Not even sure. So to me, it's got to come either from free agency or the draft. I'm sorry, free agency or a trade. And those names, now we can start talking because that'll be for a later podcast when we talk about guys who are going to be free agents and we don't even know, you know, who's going to have tags put on them, who's going to resign. But you're talking about Hunter Henry. You're talking about Gerald Everett. You're talking about Jonu Smith. I really like him. Trade targets. I mean, I, I've read stuff where maybe Evan Ingram, they, they might want to move on from him. The Giants, you know, OJ Howard, what his situation is, things like that. So those are things that we can talk about. But for the Bills themselves and the players they have, Let's talk about Dawson Knox to start because Dawson Knox is still under contract. In fact, the Bills, let me give you their guys that are under contract right now at tight end. Dawson Knox, Reggie Gilliam, Nate Becker, Tommy Sweeney, and Lee Smith. And he's a separate category we'll talk about in just a minute as well. And then the one tight end that is going to be a free agent is Tyler Croft. But let's talk about Dawson Knox first because I do think he's a really good player, especially when he has the ball in his hands against smaller defensive backs. But... Again, never even caught more than four passes in a single regular season game and topped out at 51 yards this year. He seems to still have some issues here and there. I think he cleaned up some of the drops, but it did happen a little earlier in the season, especially more in the routine catches, and then he makes like phenomenal catches, right? I like Dawson Knox, and just because you want to upgrade at tight end, just because you want to add to the position, do something a little different, doesn't mean you have to get rid of Dawson Knox. He's still a rookie. Uh, I'm sorry, he's still on a rookie contract going into his third year. The Bills have him under contract for two more years. So I don't think they need to move on from Dawson Knox. Um, he's a guy right now that, you know, can still help you, can still play. He scored that touchdown uh, at the goal line, near the goal line, in the AFC Championship game after the muffed punt that the Bills recovered. And if you go back and watch that play, 
He does a great job of coming in motion on the right side, kind of tight to the formation. And then as the ball snapped, he goes right behind the line of scrimmage around uh, behind the um, offensive line as if he's kind of just, you know, crossing the formation to block maybe. The Bills run a little play action. Then he's wide open in the flat because no one covers him, and Tyron Matthew is chasing. But, you know, that that's just the kind of ways you can use him. The one thing the Bills did really good last year was use their tight ends at the goal line, in the red zone, but especially at the goal line. I mean, Croft had three touchdowns. Knox had three touchdowns. Lee Smith had two touchdowns. Reggie Gilliam had a touchdown. I mean, that's nine touchdowns from your tight ends. That's That's good. And that was because they used them, most of those, many of those, came from not only in the red zone, but really, you know, from the uh, goal line area, which is, I I think, a really nice job because of play action, because of Josh and how it is almost impossible to defend a Bills tight end at the goal line because you have to account for Josh Allen as a runner. So, Knox, I'm fine with having on the team, and I think he can still do some nice things, but I think they need a better version of Dawson Knox, if that makes sense. It's funny because we've done now... I've been talking about better versions of guys. I said for running backs, they need a better better version of TJ Yeldon. That's what I said. And for wide receivers, which I'll do another podcast on, I think they need a better version of Isaiah McKenzie in this offense. Like the way I've described it is Isaiah McKenzie with a turbo button. That's what they need. Now, Tyler Croft, he did restructure his contract last offseason. He's now scheduled to become a free agent because of that. And at one point early this season, it did look like he was going to actually take over the number one role, but uh, he only dressed for 10 games. He was often inactive. He just served really as a backup, like if needed due to injury. So it's hard for me to see him re-signing in Buffalo. I just don't see that. Remember, he missed half the season a year ago, uh, hurting his foot. He's had a lot of injuries throughout his career. Uh, He had the COVID situation this year. Uh, One time he wasn't on the list when others were because his wife was giving birth and he went on the list. And then there was a... Um, the fake positive or the false positive, I should say. So there was a lot going on there, but it just seems like, you know, there's not going to be room for Tyler Croft on this roster going forward based on, you know, what they have and the fact that, you know, they gave him a decent contract. They restructured it. He's going to be a free agent. I think the writing's been on the wall since the beginning of the year that Tyler Croft was going to be leaving after this year anyway, and the team wasn't really necessarily interested in resigning him. Now, Reggie Gilliam, he signed with the club as an undrafted free agent last year. He was originally, if you remember, a fullback, but he was able to play multiple positions. He played a lot of positions in college, uh, fullback, running back, tight end, big-time special teams guy, blocked a lot of kicks in college. And then a couple weeks into training camp, the team actually did move him to tight end, and they completely eliminated any fullbacks off the roster whatsoever. In fact, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I basically I tweet out the roster every once in a while with some coded charts. And early in the season, I had fullback, Patrick DeMarco, Reggie Gilliam. And then DeMarco was released. Gilliam moved. And after a week or so, I'm like, you know what? They have no fullbacks. I just eliminated the column. They never had a fullback this year at all because Gilliam became a tight end. And then ultimately, by the way, very recently, Patrick DeMarco actually retired. Uh, The Bills did release him, injury settlement. He went on IR, had an injury settlement, neck injury. Um, Good for him. Nice career that he's put in. But the Bills did not go with a fullback. And I I think I would think the plan going forward is to keep that same philosophy based on the kind of offense they ran with Brian Dable and the success that they had. Now, as far as Gilliam, he did dress for every game until he had an injury that kept him out of the last couple of games of the regular season. And he was one of the team's core special teams players. He played close to 40% of all special teams plays overall. Uh, He did not really play on offense much, only 77 total snaps, but 
he did have two catches, and one resulted in a touchdown. That was week two at the Dolphins. Again, right at the goal line there. I think the Bills were inside the red zone. It was like maybe a 10-yard pass or something like that. He is the kind of player that teams love having on their roster. I know the Bills love having a guy like that, but he's certainly no lock you know, to make it next year either. I think, you know, he'll have to he'll have to fight all the time because he's not going to be used as a primary weapon. At least I don't see that happening anytime soon. Lee Smith, let's talk about him for a minute. I, I wrote in the article that he's like Jason from Friday the 13th, the movies, because every time people try to kill him off, he just keeps coming back. And really, but this time, you might not have to kill him off because he was actually on a Nashville radio station slash podcast uh, with, I guess they do it. It was a, a podcast form from a radio station that they put out. He's from that area. He's from a little bit, uh, nearby Nashville, like a couple hours away. And on that particular show, this is just within the last few days. He basically said he's retiring. He didn't say I'm retiring. He didn't say I'm going to announce my retirement right now, but the way he talked, he basically alluded to the fact that he's probably going to hang it up. Um, how, you know, greatest great of a career, you know, he was able to have considering, you know, he wasn't the most athletic dude and, you know, he just wanted to be there for his teammates, never had a chance to win a playoff game until this year. Loved working with Josh Allen, playing with the Buffalo Bills, talked about his family, his wife, you know, and, and I just, I just got a really strong sense from his own words that he's going to retire this off season. And that will save the bills $2.25 million on the salary cap, by the way. But I, I don't think we could really we don't, we don't really have to talk about Lee Smith being a part of next year's plans because I think Lee Smith, you didn't have to kill him off. Uh, like Jason and Friday the 13th, he just, he's going to do that himself. He's going to walk off into the sunset and good for him. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see exactly, you know, how that all plays out. Now let's remember though, why did the bills even have him on the roster in the first place? Because he brought something that they didn't have at tight end, a true blocking presence to help in the run game. So with that, and by the way, with them not having a fullback, as I just said on the roster, that made him even more valuable when they needed to run the ball. They didn't have a fullback. So they have Lee Smith as kind of like an extra offensive lineman. And then every once in a while, you know, he snuck out and he would catch a pass here or there. And he actually had a couple of touchdowns. But I think they're going to wind up saving that money because I think he's going to wind up retiring based on what he said. So Becker and Sweeney, Nate Becker, Tommy Sweeney. I've always liked both of them. But to me, they've always been basically a lesser version of Dawson Knox with maybe not the exact same skill sets. But, you know, as far as, tapping out and potential and ceiling and things like that. And what I mean is neither really possesses any exceptional traits to think that they make a, make a huge difference or an upgrade, you know, over Knox or, or others at the position. They both work really hard. It's been fun kind of watching them at training camp last year, this year. And, you know, if they had to play, I think that actually could be relied on for like a base level production of tight end play. But that's not what the Bills need right now. Now, Becker, he spent the year on the practice squad for the second straight season, and then he signed a future reserve deal a couple of weeks ago, right after the season ended. And But he's never caught a pass in the NFL. Never caught a pass. In fact, his first NFL action ever being activated for a game came week 17 when he was elevated from the practice squad for the game against the Miami Dolphins, and he played, but he I don't even think he was targeted with a pass, to be honest with you, but he didn't have a catch. But that's his first ever NFL action in two years. Sweeney, just an unfortunate situation. He had a lost year really from the jump. He was placed on the physically unable to perform list with a foot injury when training camp opened. Then in late October, he was placed on the reserve COVID list by the team. And then right after that, maybe like a month after that, he was diagnosed by a cardiologist with myocarditis, which is a heart condition, which was developed as a result of having the virus. So obviously 
that put him back on the reserve COVID list and it shut his season down. So questions about his career even going forward, although Sean McDermott has alluded to the fact that, you know, he should be ready to go and they're hoping for that, but you never know with these kinds of things. Hopefully he's going to be healthy. Hopefully he's going to be able to resume his career and hopefully he'll be back at training camp. He is under contract for two more seasons with the club because they did draft him uh, prior to 2019 and he's, he's still on his rookie deal. But neither Becker nor Sweeney really offer you the kind of kind of thing I'm talking about. A lot of times, you know, you want to go in-house with these, these types of upgrades that we've been talking about, and I think what the Bills need at tight end. I think tight end is a really big position for this team to target in the offseason. So, you know, we'll see where they go with it, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to draft one. It's going to be hard even to, uh, you know, are, how much are you willing to spend on free agency? The Bills don't have a ton of cap room. We're going to find out a lot more about that as we go forward. There's been some reporting over the last 24 hours that says the cap is going to be higher than, you know, what had been reported uh, maybe even up to like 185 million. That'd be great for the Bills. You know, they are last projections from both Spot Track and Over the Cap, uh, two really good websites, have them right around six million over the cap right now. But you know that can be massaged, obviously. And if if the cap does go up to 185, I think the projection for the six million over was with a 175 cap. So so now you get to four million under. Now you can start releasing players, restructuring contracts. Uh, things like that. You know, Lee Smith, his retirement, if he does, gets you to about $6 million under. They, they could create a good probably $30 million, actually, to be honest, and have some room to work. But that space gets eaten up very quickly, and especially if you want to go after a young, dynamic type of tight end, then who knows where a guy like Jonu Smith or a Gerald Everett or a Hunter Henry is going to command on the open market. So this is going to be a, a tough situation for the Bills to really figure out how to do it right. But there are options there. And again, maybe the trade market is the option. I really want to investigate a little bit more about Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard, guys like that. Now, these are guys that, you know, O.J. And how about David Njoku as well? I am I think David Njoku has been a disappointment. I was a huge fan of his coming out of the draft with Cleveland. But he might be the kind of guy that, hey, wasn't used right in Cleveland. Um, really, he's not going to re- be a big part of their plans going forward. So we'll see, you know, it didn't put up great numbers, but I love that kind of athleticism and that may be the kind of guy that you could target. Now Ingram's going to be on his fifth year option being paid over $6 million, but there's a lot of people in New York who just think that maybe it's time to move on from him because of his inconsistent play. But then you say, well, why would the bills want him with that inconsistent play? I think there's a risk no matter how you look at this, you trade, you sign a guy to the money. There's going to be a risk. I just don't see them getting that tight end that we're talking about in the draft, though, especially at pick number 30. So we'll see where all this goes with the tight end. It's another one of these areas that the Bills, I think, are, you know, that one player away, per se, that they can upgrade. Now, this is a team that went 13-3. and They went to the AFC Championship game. They were the second-best team in the AFC. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I, I kind of chuckle when I see people telling me how many holes they have. Every team has holes. And if you're meaning like holes, meaning to get to the top, sure. But they don't have all these holes around the roster where they have bad players. They have a really good roster, actually. So they need to concentrate and tweak, you know, where they're good to become strengths and then maybe prop up here and there the back end of a roster where maybe you do have some spots where you're like, you know what, that just wasn't up to par last year. Defensive line, there's some things to look at there. We'll talk about all that as we go on. It's the 2021 State of the Bills podcast series, Sal Sports and Stuff. Find it at WGR550.com. Find it on iTunes, Apple iTunes, wherever you pod, you can find it. Throw me a a good review. I want to get this thing featured on Apple. I don't know how to do that. I'm still working on it. Three days in a row, maybe you downloading it or listening is going to do that. 
But either way, I'm glad that you came aboard. So thanks a lot again for listening. I'll talk to you again. I don't know if we're going to do one today. I think so. I think I'm going to do wide receivers next. Uh, Today, as I record this, I mean, write the article. And then I'll probably do the wide receivers, uh, you know, podcast right after that, which would be Friday. So we'll see. But there's a lot to get to with wide receivers. So I'll see if I can, you know, finish the article on Thursday and then we'll do the podcast on Friday. But, you know, thanks a lot for listening, like I said, and glad to do this for everybody. It's really going to be a fun offseason to see, you know, how all these things take shape for the Buffalo Bills. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.